Let's water looks so good. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Freightonomics, uh, the show slash podcast, depending on how you're uh, consuming this, uh, where we combine the freight market and the macroeconomic and analysis here with the data, of course, as always, trying to provide a, a purely objective source of truth so that you can go about your business day uh, and interpret the environment effectively. So I'm Zach Strickland, head of market, freight market intelligence at Freightways. With me as always, Anthony Smith, chief economist. That's right. And Zach, I mean, there is no shortage of stuff to talk about. Of course, yellow is an ongoing saga that just continues. And yeah. so of course, you have to talk about that. Yeah. Other news releases. And then, of course, on the economic side, if you nerds are into that, like I am, we have GDP that just got put out and a plethora of other things that happened, of course, the Jerome Powell FOMC minutes, interest rates going back up, everything. So I'm actually going to lean on you today because it's been one of those weeks where I have been under a rock <laughs> with work yeah. and I have no idea what's going on. So oh, I'm actually you blank and I'm, you miss everything. I'm actually here for this <laughs> uh, today. I'm actually going to be a, an audience member while Anthony gives me an update on the economic environment because there's a ton of economic stuff that I, I feel I missed. And of course, you as well can enjoy just consuming this quickly so you can do your jobs and go about your day as well uh, without having to really track down all that information. That's right. We live in this world. So, you know, we'll keep you up to date and informed and all that good stuff. And Zach, do we have a little bit of a... Let's give them a freight market update real quick. And jump in at things at two minutes. If you want to count me in, let's, and let's get them going. Three, two, one, go. Okay, this is actually a pretty big deal, uh, in my opinion. So we've got the OTVI, Outbound Tender Volume Index, a measure of freight demand, uh, trending higher uh, over the last couple of weeks, coming out of the 4th of July holiday. This is extremely unusual. It did not happen during COVID. Let me put it that way. Uh, OTVI is up. Now, it's not up like to the point where it's like, oh, everything is going chaotic, but it is up pretty significantly. This could be a sign that some of the stuff that we've seen with the disruptions, the potential for disruptions in the freight market might have had some pull forward effect here in the month of July. Uh, but a slight uptick here, very divergent to historical trend, and it's definitely going to be worth monitoring moving forward. It means that carrier networks are obviously going to be a little bit more active than they were. Uh, however, it is not something that has disrupted the market significantly. If we go to the next chart, capacity is still very prevalent. Uh, we still have enough capacity to keep tender rejection rates down around that 3% mark, meaning that rates aren't really seeing any upward pressure. They're not seeing that upward infle uh, inflection point where we think the market is turning. Uh, spot rates, of course, still not moving and the contract rates are still coming down. So, uh, nothing to see here just yet, but that demand side inflection point is going to be something to monitor. It's only been a week, but it is a historical trend line shift when we talk about the month of July, which is historically slower than June. Uh, so looking at the next chart here, the OTVI tree, don't get blinded by all the red and green. It's not Christmas in July, uh, but it is a measure of the percentage of growth in tender volumes by market. And there is a lot of green. So there means that there is a lot of OTVI increasing coming from multiple markets across the country. Uh, and let's go to the last chart just to give a quick hit look at the spot market spot rates and that white line there coming down. So none of this demand matters from a rate perspective. So Zach, 
looking at rates. Okay. So spot rates coming down, as you just mentioned, the other big thing that we've, we've been watching for quite some time, contract rates, where does that relationship kind of leave right now? Yeah. Contract rates are still significantly higher for the most part, about 20 to 30% higher in a lot of lanes, uh, than their contract or than the spot market counterparts. And there's, I mean, you look at the rejection rate, like the rates aren't going to increase for contracts if rejection rates are under 4%. <laughs> that just means that carriers have more capacity than they need. Uh, they're, they're able to service all their customers. If you're a shipper out there looking for capacity, you should be seeing pretty sublime compliance at this point. Yeah. Um, doesn't necessarily mean your service is, is on point or perfect because whenever we have this severe imbalance in terms of too much capacity, there's network disk conjoinment. I just made up a word. <laughs> uh, there's network imbalances there that create bubbles where you don't have a truck getting to where it needs to be at times. Now, it doesn't mean that it's, you know, they're going to be able to just call somebody in from off the side of the road and come get it. But that may cause for a little bit of disconnect. And the other big thing, of course, I took away from that marketing too, was volumes increasing. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and the and the fact that we've never seen an increase in July like this before, again, not significant enough to disrupt capacity, but it is something to watch and monitor moving forward because what if this is some sort of weird economic inflection point that we're looking for? I mean, everybody's using the word inflection. Yeah. I mean, inflection here, inflection that. Are are we seeing an inflection? What's an inflection? Yeah. What is an inflection, Anthony? Uh, it's it's really the the essentially the tipping point of when momentum seems to just kind of shift in the other direction or make a, essentially, I feel like a turning point. So yeah. I, I think a couple episodes ago, we talked about a time of transition and that was a kind of talking around where you can make a argument for, hey, this is the beginning of the end. Everything is going to fall. Sky is falling. Or this is the beginning of, you know, hey, re recovery. We're right. on the up and up. And so that's, I think, the thing a lot of folks are looking for during these times of transition or those inflection points of saying, hey, this is the beginning of a new cycle of growth or this is the beginning of the end. So I think a lot of times, instead of looking at overall trends and what a lot of the data is showing us, we really start looking at the latest points of data and really kind of start throwing some trends out the, 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 the way altogether. It's like, hey, you know what? We don't care about the trends. What's the latest saying? And so I think we have to be mindful of what the overall trend is and not also get so caught up into seasonality yeah. as well. Yeah. And that's kind of what that OTBI trend is, is a break in seasonality. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, I think some of the reason for this could be lying in the potential or maybe some actual disruption that we've seen. Uh, as we go into the, the stories, we have, of course, have to update you on yellow uh, and the ongoing drama there. Um, several articles coming out. Um, you know, Rachel Premack has really, I guess she might be camped out in Kansas City at this point, <laughs> just like just covering this story as it unfolds. And most of the stories this week that we've seen come out are basically, we're going bankrupt. No, we're not going bankrupt. They're striking. No, they're not going to strike. And even though there's not a definitive conclusion to this story, the fact that we're wishy-washy, you know, the, one of the articles was, Yellow Executive tells sales employees company will file bankruptcy on July 31st. They quickly backtracked that. <laughs> Uh, and said, wait, no, we're not going to do that in a recorded video that they put out. Um, 
And then the story said, yellow halts pickups in some states, sales executives say. And then there, but it, it's, there's nothing really conclusive here, but the noise and the constant back and forth really makes it hard for, I think, yellow's customers to feel good about shipping through them. And, and, you know, Craig and I talked about it, um, on the state of freight, LTL networks need freight to survive. Yeah. And I think another article even said if Yellow's burning $10 million a day, that $100 million they had a month ago, do the math. Yeah. You know, they got what, three months left? Not a long horizon. No. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, and again, these are reported things. Uh, some are valid. Some may just be, you know, hearsay, but it is, you know, and I'm not saying that the journalists don't do their due diligence. Multiple sources back these things up. So there's definitely something where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. But I mean, I personally just can't see a company surviving this type of environment. Yeah. And this is one of the questions, of course, um, on Frit and I'll, our Frit leaves now every mm-hmm. once in a while. And so one of the questions I had this morning was, and of course, on previous episodes of Fritonomics, is what would success look like for Yellow? Say they get a miracle and they get saved and they are back on the up and up. They uh, avoid crisis and shutting down altogether. What does success look like? I mean, do they, it's, their clients have already left. They, you know, like. I think, I mean, and I think Craig said it pretty plainly, like the union, this Ron O'Brien basically is forfeiting yellow. Mm. Like when he came out and said, this company's running out of cash. That basically was the end in my mind for this company because it's just it's just too difficult when there's too many options in this market when a down market where there's plenty of capacity available it's just an issue of transferring and committing to it at this point near-term disruption are a thing i want to look at this chart of ltl rates and just show you that i think some of this noise is pulling itself into uh yeah this one right here uh, if we can pull up the ltl rates chart so the white line is the LTL contract rates. Now there's there's almost no spot freight in LTL and most spot freight you can't actually consider a contract uh, move because LTL doesn't really pick up for customers it doesn't have an agreement with. Uh, so the rates in general are pretty volatile for LTL because it's a revenue per hundred weight, which means that mixing becomes a big factor here. Length of haul can also influence it. Uh, pretty significantly, but overall we saw this trend line shift and I wrote this article saying, I don't know that yellow is causing this, but I think it's pretty safe to assume that there's probably some influence there and rates have definitely like we talked about inflection points. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, did shift starting back in June, uh, May, June. And we've seen this shift from rates moving downward off out of, uh, you know, the early part of the year and they kind of bounced around Memorial day and has started kind of trending higher. Now we have kind of corrected since uh, in that regard, but it's still, if nothing else, it's flatlining to the upside. And this just tells me that there's probably a lot of disruption in the LTL sector right now and still a lot of uncertainty. And of course, the green line there is the contract rate for van, which always leads the LTL rate. So even if we do see this disruption in the LTL space, I don't think it's going to be a sustainable thing because it always, the, the truckload market always leads the LTL market. Yeah. And I think this is, I mean, this whole situation I feel like is interesting because for 
such a long time, we've been looking for more overall failures for companies with this market happening right now and, and how long it's happened. And really, a lot of folks have expected more of this a lot sooner. But when we're looking at this situation with Yellow, do you see this as more of a situation from the overall freight environment or more so the situation going on internally? Both. I mean, it's, I don't know that you can say, I, I mean, Yellow's been struggling literally for a decade or over a decade. Um, you know, it, and you know, there's a lot of good people that work at Yellow. It doesn't necessarily, I don't think, you know, if Yellow does finalize the situation and, 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 and do go under it's, I, I don't think, you know, there's sometimes this stigma about, oh, you worked at Yellow or that company that didn't do well. That doesn't mean anything for you. You could have done the best job yeah. you could possibly have done. Just sometimes the mixes don't work. Right. <laughs> and, you know, kind of you, we kind of allow this to happen in sports. You know, look at Nick Saban. Yeah. And I hate to do this as a, as a Tennessee uh, fan and alumnus, but uh, Nick Saban was at Miami, couldn't make it work. Went to Alabama, arguably the most successful college coach in history. So, I mean, it's sometimes mix matters. And in companies, this is true as it is in sports. Sometimes the mix and the timing of things just doesn't work out. And it doesn't mean that you should take it personally. It just, you couldn't get it, get it going. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly where my mind went. I mean, I've been a part of teams where we were struggling as a yeah. team, but really when you look at the individuals, these are like world-class athletes yeah. and they are amazing and would be starters at large programs but really just can't get it going. And a lot of times you see some struggling division one schools, their first string are all rock stars. Second string, pretty solid. But you go to third string, fourth string, fifth string, they're not going to be the quite the same level as when you go to some of those other. So sometimes it's the depth of talent. And then sometimes it's really the overall leadership within the locker room. Mm -hmm. You hear in NFL teams culture. all the time that the culture is just not there. And culture matters. It absolutely makes matters. a huge difference. You are a fool if you think it doesn't. Um, and, you know, and to the second part of that, the environment. Yeah. If you don't have a good mix and the environment's bad, that's just, that's just a bad, you know, that's a bad situation. So I, I think we're on a slippery slope here, um, but I hope everybody uh, involved ends up on their feet and does well. Uh, but in the meantime, I think we are going to see some near-term struggles right. and, and pain points, specifically in the LTL sector. Uh, the next thing that got resolved this week, UPS uh, tentative agreement contract, five-year deal creates 7,500 full-time union jobs, raises full and part-time wages. So I think that deal's getting done. And that I think really is a huge potential stress and upstream disruption for the freight market. If this thing does finalize and is as good as reported, um, UPS having a strike would have been, I think, one of the most disruptive events of the year. Yeah, I think that would have classified as, uh, because everyone's talking about what's the next Black Swan. Yep. I believe this would have been like a, a little mini Black Swan event for sure if this were to happen because it's such a large player. It's not like this can just get absorbed easily. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a lot of comparisons to 97, but we were in a completely different environment in 97, especially where we see with the state of e-commerce. And so... I think this definitely would have been a, a classification or a contender for a black swan event. Yeah. Do you think it would have really hurt the economic environment too? I think it would have put a lot of stressors on it, especially if we were to see if there were an inflationary impact on it as well. Um, just because, of course, we're seeing the fight of inflation. Of course, Jerome Powell just had 
another increase in those good old interest rates in the last uh, update that we had just yesterday in the meeting for the FOMC. And so I think it definitely would have had an inflationary impact for sure. And um, I think that would have definitely kind of spurred some diminished potential consumer activity for sure. Yeah. And, and, and since you brought it up, I want to kind of divert to it. So what are your thoughts here over the last uh, minute meeting here and the results of that? Yeah. So I think it was interesting. So we're looking at uh, the verbiage, some of the rhetoric that was really mentioned from Jerome Powell, somewhat hawkish on some of his takes, uh, really some rhetoric kind of hinting towards no cuts until next year. So that was interesting. We'll see how he kind of holds up to that. Of course, all of the questions were around, um, you know, how many cuts or how many raises do you think? And so he can't answer that. Right. And so it was just a lot of those trying to read between the lines, um, answers like he would on any kind of almost company quarterly call, if you will. And so I thought, of course, he is trying to, I think, jack up rates as much as he can and go as far as they can, but until it really starts to hit a breaking point. And I think at that point, he can start to, of course, go into some of that easing mode. Um, as of this moment, I think, of course, with the latest numbers from the GDP report showing that uh, there was growth 2.4% uh, on the real basis for the most recent quarter, showing that there was some expansion overall for consumer spending. We look at overall initial results showing that of course, this isn't going to be the best gauge for the overall health of the freight market, but it's going to have some components that are pertinent to the freight environment. Looking at personal consumptions for goods, that was up 0.7% for the quarter. This is easing, but still some uh, growth overall. And the really big one was investment, uh, fixed investment. We saw that non-residential really pulled that segment up overall, up 4.9% for fixed investment. Uh, non-residential up 7.7%, while residential dropped 4.2%. So we are seeing that there is some fixed investment going on in the second quarter, despite the increase in interest rates over that same time frame. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see if that was a pull forward in the first half of the year and if this weakens in the latter half of the year. A lot of folks are saying, hey, with this, um, recession's off. We're, we're in the clear, you know, green horizons or green green pastures ahead and we're good to go. And a lot of folks are just saying, hey, you know what, we're just going to look at the end of the year as being a little bit more rough. So, yeah, I mean, personal consumption, is that adjusted for inflation though? Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. It's so up 0.7% so adjusted for inflation. Of course, we know a lot of that. It's the summer. Yeah. A lot of summer travel going on. We're still seeing that stuff. However, uh, two articles uh here that that were that we had come out now Cooney Nagel writes off peak shipping season written by Eric Coolidge uh and basically goes into how they aren't seeing it now again you just talked about the economic environment how we've got a little bit of a disconnect from the uh goods environment and the services environment and of course we are largely a services economy. 2.4%, though, is pretty good. Um, I mean, that's a decent, I think that's their target. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think they would take 2.4% every quarter every if, they could, time. If, if they could get it. So, but it doesn't necessarily translate really well to the transportation slash goods environment, which they're basically saying, unfortunately, there is no peak season to be expected in 2023. There are no signals either on air or sea, at least not for the time being. So we have to be very cautious on that, said CEO Stefan Paul during the quarterly call with analysts. Uh, but we do believe that we may be near 
buzzword alert, an inflection point <laughs> uh, with the potential to return to a positive year-on-year volume growth versus easier comps in the second half. Paul said his definition of peak season is at least 10 to 15% volume growth from August to November. So he's already writing off the third, fourth quarter uh, for shipping in terms of maritime and air, their primary things that they're concerned about here. The air, of course, showing much weaker year-over-year uh, -year comps than the maritime side at this point. But it, that, to me, is basically like if you're in transportation, you really have to separate your services and goods because services are still pulling that economic value, right. <laughs> uh, the load of the economic value in the economy, right? It is. And I mean, uh, there's been a lot of talks around consumer strength, the strength of consumer continuing to purchase, demand is still there, whether it be for goods or services that people are still using, you know, burning that cash. And so uh, a lot of folks are looking at this in two different ways. A lot of, I think the majority of people are looking at it in terms of, hey, look how strong the U.S. economy is consumers are still spending. One of the things I look at is a little bit of a concern that consumers are still spending. And <laughs> that may not be the best gauge yeah. of economic strength is what you're saying. Exactly. As, especially if you look at uh, the what the core of the U.S. economy is built on consumption and essentially credit. Yeah. Right. National debt still up there, skyrocketing, empowering forward. And it's almost like, you know, that that old trope, I learned it from you, you know, your parents. And you look at what are the consumers doing? They're extending their credit. What's the U.S. government can do to extend their credit? And really, when I'm looking at this, it's, it's a con concerning because we're seeing consumers continue to spend, continuing to use credit, even though that's starting to ease in a sense, because I think some of those consumers are hitting the buzzword inflection point, potentially. <laughs> and they are potentially hitting their limits. But really, what we're looking at here. All this spending, when savings rates are still b below the pre-pandemic level, consumer credit card utilization is past, you know, historic highs. And so we're seeing this continue to spend. It makes me a little bit concerned that consumers are spending so much. And even if it is easing somewhat, that what kind of position are they going to be in in times of recession? So Adam Josephson writes an article that somewhat agrees with you here in the way that uh, from booze to fries, signs of consumer demand weakness multiply. And he goes in uh, one of the segments of the economy that has been doing pretty well, CPG, uh, restaurant services, things like that are starting to show signs of trading down or some weakness uh, here. So the start of the corporate, uh, the Q2 corporate earnings season has brought considerably more evidence of consumer spending weakness and not just among lower and middle income Americans. At the high end of the income spectrum, the French luxury goods conglomerate LVMH reported a slowdown in the U.S. luxury market in Q2. Um, and he goes on to talk about what about packaged food and beverage products? Usually, unusually steep volume declines among some of the largest U.S. packaged food companies, including General Mills and ConAgra. General Mills noted ongoing U.S. retailer inventory reductions and increasing price sensitivity among consumers in ConAgra observed unusual demand weakness since just after the Easter holiday and noted an overall category slowdown. So another big takeaway here, those inventory costs are now catching up to some of these companies who are now actually, even on top of the demand weakness relative to where they were, they now have a little bit more of a cost sensitivity in holding more inventory. So that's going to continue to keep those inventories suppressed. That inflection point that everybody's looking for with that inventory, once we get right size with inventory, 
maybe not so fast, my friend, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think we're looking at that. I mean, this is going to be, I think, the interesting part. Can these companies, especially some of these luxury goods or CPG companies, continue to hire and employ at such a rate that will not really start to hinder margins, especially as we continue to see how earning seasons go this season and the remaining quarters of this year and and really where that all kind of places us. But really, if there is a shift in the labor market, which I am, uh, Dre, J. Powell kind of mentioned a strength in it, but I, I just, there's something off with the labor market right now. You, you talked about inflation a long time before yeah. it was even mentioned in the Fed. <laughs> yeah. I think you were a good year and a half in front of that. And if your gut feeling is a little off, I feel a little off myself here. Yes. I think there's something off the the, the employment numbers or the job openings number, especially with multiple listings, because yeah. I think that's a big thing with the remote jobs. I think there is a ton of companies that are saying, hey, let's just put feelers out there, put mul- multiple listings in multiple cities. I don't know if that's enough to prop it up in the millions and millions that we're seeing, but still... I think there's just something amiss here. You're saying there's a little bit of house of cards going on. I get it. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, there, but the consumers are still spending, yeah. uh, you know, relatively well. Not necessarily the best practice, I think, is what you're saying. Right. And I will say this about the inventories: if they are going to hold less inventory, I think this actually increases the risk for a decent little Q4 inflection point because. If they don't hold enough inventory and their demand forecasts are wrong, guess what they're going to do? Expedite that freight. That's right. <laughs> they're going to have to order it last second. because I like that call. Look at it. Drink more water. It's quite out there. <laughs>